Welcome to Northgate Bible Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast, where you can listen to our latest sermons, filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So whether you're outdoors, in the car, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. The time, so um, I, I don't blame you one bit. But at any rate, I'm, I'm Denzel. Um, some of you know me in different ways, mostly through connection of Camp Lalai. This is kind of handy here, by the way. I like this uh, podium. Uh, but uh, at any rate, you, you may know me as, uh, well, as, as Debbie's husband. One of you, two of you probably know me that way. Uh, somebody might know me as the, the guy that makes the uh, peanut butter cookies or the, <laughs> there's one back here, or, or the ice cream sandwiches for Teen 2, up until this year, that is. Um, you know, I, I might be known as Mason's chauffeur today, or this, this weekend anyhow, but uh, um, at any rate, I'm proud to be DJ's dad, and, and thanks for having me here. Um, you probably don't know a lot about me um, personally. You know a lot about those around me, and you know a lot about the things that maybe I do, I've done, or you've maybe heard a story, but I hope after today, you know a little bit more about me. Okay, because uh, I, I don't know about the other speakers here or or how the elders choose even to have me here. But um, if, if others come here having accomplished everything and speak to you from a point of accomplishment, I've arrived. Well, they got the wrong guy today. I'm, I'm not arrived. I've not uh, I've not figured it all out. I'm still trying to figure it out. The Lord woke me up at four o'clock this morning and uh, tuned me up just a little bit more about what I'm learning as I'm um, reading and preparing for this message. So if y'all get nothing out of it, I got a whole lot. So I apologize in advance. So shall we begin with a word of prayer? Father, uh, again, as already been asked, Lord, we pray that, uh, that we'll all have willing hearts to hear that which is uh, on your heart and what you would have for us to say. So Lord, uh, if there's anything that I would say that might... Uh, it might be wrong, you would uh, flush that from people's mind, or Lord, we would pray that your word would come through, and it'd be uh, your word that's last. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's see if this works well. Here we go. Other way. I'm not getting anything here, Matt. What do I need to do? That's the right first slide. So it wasn't last week's message. Can you all not see? Is there anything up here? Oh, okay. Well, it's up back there. So Everybody turn in their seats. And we'll... that's, that's the way we do it at Westlake. We, we have the baptisms in the back, so we all would just turn around. So I don't know. I'm not the tech guy. You're not so. actually speaking this morning. It's just a <laughs> it's. All right. Here we go. All right. Well, we'll let you keep work on it. So I, I'd like to start out because my notes are on there. So that, if you can't see, I'm sorry. But uh, at any rate, I want to start out with this, um, this quote. Okay. And, and let me see, see if you know where it's from. Or if you know who said it, I'd like to hear you shout it out or whatever. The quote is, agitate, agitate, agitate. Anybody know who that uh, famous for having um, said that? 
Nobody? Paul Walensky. Saul Alinsky. Not, tr- not as far as I know. So I figured that you guys would know this one because this guy was a former resident of Rochester. He was uh, back in, back in uh, the 1800s. He gave a famous speech here, probably considered his most famous speech, at 34 years old in 1852. The title of that speech was, What to the Slave is Your Fourth of July? Okay, let me see. Do we have it yet? You got it now? Frederick Douglass, that's the guy. Okay, Frederick Douglass um, is said it, near the end of his life, a couple weeks before the end of his life, um, said that he was walking home one day and as he reached the steps of his house, uh, a young man met him there and said, after all these years of uh, being an activist uh, in, in getting um, you know, people to want to abolish the slave trade, etc., or the slavery in, in the United States, he asked him, what is it that you would have as advice for a young man? And this is what he said, agitate, agitate, agitate. Now, I'm not here to, to um, endorse his politics or, for the mat- that matter, his uh, theology or anything else, okay? But I am here to say I appreciate the fact, having been a guy with, uh, that uses way too many words sometimes to try and explain life, um, that you can have a condensed version of what your life's work was all about. I mean, can you imagine that? Here's, uh, this guy had given many speeches and, and was famous uh, around the world, and certainly in the United States, and it came down to one guy, a young man asked him, what would you say? It was agitate, 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 and there he was. So I'd like to, do we, are we, we're not good there, huh? Nothing, okay, that's all right. So. I'd like to read this uh, short uh, three verses that I think gives us a real condensed summary like that of a testimony, okay? I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry and also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps He's put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Now, I've told a number of people where my passage was coming from this day, so um, that's not a surprise to you. Where does that come from? Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3. I've read it in the New King James Version. So we know who wrote that, right? Um, I think that's a really concise summary of a testimony from David. Now, you may know David, and we all learned about David, didn't we, in Sunday school. We learned about David in Sunday school. What did we learn? He was a shepherd, right? He played a harp. Maybe he was uh, playing his harp while he was a shepherd. I don't know. But um, he was also a great warrior, and, and he slew Goliath, right? He killed Goliath with a stone. And, and, and we, we remember all those stories, don't we, of David, But there's another side to David. There's many sides to David. Another side to David would be that he was a a tormented king, you know, a grieving father. He lost four of his boys at least before um, he died. And so just the the difficulty 
of, of his life at that time is another side of David that, that we don't often look at. But the, the side of David that, that we're looking at here today is one who is very contemplative, right? He, was, um, he, he, he considered who was the Lord and who am I in relationship to the Lord, okay? He was a, a poet and, and, then, and then took all that together, his experience and his difficulties in life, in, in combined with his, his ability to contemplate who the Lord was and, and, and what he'd done for him and, and what was going to happen, even prophetically, um, and put it down into poetry. So that, that's an incredible person, if you think about it. I mean, it, it's hard to think of the, the great generals of our time or even uh, the generals that we hear of being poets or that contemplative. It's probably not um, unheard of, but certainly... That's a uh, concise and powerful testimony that uh, we hear from David in these three verses. So, poetry. How many of you really like poetry? You loves it. Good, I'm glad. And, and I, I don't doubt it, and you're probably good singers too. I know, I know Caleb is, and you like music, and uh, I'm not a poet. <laughs> and I, I, I wanna admit right up front that I struggle with the books that are written in poetry, okay? Particularly the Psalms. I, I wish that wasn't the case. It, it is what I am, maybe because of my engineering background or my left brain mind, or is it left or right? Left brain mind, uh, that, that it's the wrong brain for this stuff, okay? I know that. So, so I have to break this down, okay? It, it, for me to understand it, I'm gonna break it down a little bit, see if we can you know, understand a little bit better. But it says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and, and the question has to become, why? Why was he waiting patiently for the Lord? Because he was looking forward to the Lord, listening to him, to incline to him. We get the idea that the Lord's, you know, inclining over. and It wants to hear what he has to say. I, he leaned in like, like a, a father leans in. Son, what do you have for me today? What, what are you trying to tell me? And, and so and why was he doing that? Well, it's because David was crying out, right? He was crying out to the Lord and saying, Lord, you could just get this picture of him crying to the Lord. And the Lord leaned into him. He says, why was he crying out, though? He says he was crying out because he was in a horrible pit, stuck in the miry clay. Okay, now I can understand this a little bit more. If we were to have a movie about this, it would start where? In a pit, right? The story starts in a pit. So David is saying, I'm in a pit. Now, when you, when you research that word pit and the, trans, the way it's translated throughout the Old Testament, several ways, but it basically boils down to a couple different themes. One would be this idea that Joseph's pit, you remember Joseph's pit, that his brothers tossed him into this pit, and that's where he was stuck until he got hauled out to be taken by the slave traders, right? There, there's that literal idea of a pit, all right? And then there's this figurative idea of a pit, one that, um, that uh, David would even say in, in the Psalms, I'm in my grave. It's as if I'm close to death. I'm low and down in this grave, this, this figurative language of being low and in a pit, okay? Now, now, he's using this in the Psalm here as an illustration, right? So let's combine the two together. And, and just take this idea of it being, he's, he's acting as if he's in a literal pit, 
but it's really this figurative pit that he finds himself in, in his mind and in his heart, okay? Now, the other thing we learn about this pit is it's likely man-made. It doesn't say cave, does it? Or it doesn't say valley. It doesn't say, you know, things like that, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm walking through the valley of shadow. No, it's not that. It's a pit. So it's likely man-made. Now, a man-made pit could be, you know, he could be in it for different reasons, right? One would be that they, somebody threw him in it or somebody made a pit to capture him, to capture, you know, that would be a way to, to capture somebody. Um, another way would be that it was self-inflicted. I dug the pit, right? And I put myself in the pit, right? Hey, fellas, the first thing to do when you find yourself digging a hole, the best thing to do is to stop digging, right? We find ourselves in a pit sometimes with our with our wives when we dig that hole real deep. But, you know, the point is, it's that type of pit. This is a man-made pit. It's not one that, that, that is for occupancy, okay? It really doesn't matter how you get into the pit. It doesn't exactly matter why you're in the pit. But at this point, David said, I'm in a pit unto a grave, right? So, you know, once we get in a pit, it's a difficult time, right? You could imagine he's crying out. Why is he crying out? Because he can't get out, right? He, he, you can imagine he's, he's been clawing his way up the sides, okay? He's been pulling on the roots, whatever it would be, standing on the stones, finding a way to get out of that pit. It ain't happening, right? So, so what do we do when we have a bad time in life? We figure, what's, what's the old saying? It's like, take that frown and turn it upside down or light a candle, you know, don't curse the darkness. You know, we don't, we don't put a candle and a flower in the pit and say, you know what, this is where I'm going to stay. This is considered a horrible pit, a bad place to be, a place that we shouldn't be in, a place that the Lord would not have us be as we go forward. I think we'll develop that a little bit more. This is a bad spot, okay? It's not just a pit. What's at the bottom of the pit? This is a miry clay. Anybody know what a mire is? That's an old word, but what's a mire? The swamp, okay? It's a swamp, miry clay. It's sticky. Have you ever walked through mud so deep that, that you, you left your boot? Have you ever walked through mud so, so problematic that you couldn't stand up? That's the idea here, a miry clay. So he's the bottom of pit, he can't get out, he's in the miry clay, and what's the problem? Well, literally we understand the problem, he's, he's stuck there, right? But figuratively, it's not, he's not useful. If you're in a pit, you're not useful to anybody, you're stuck, okay? And when you walk, when you're so stuck there, your walk is impeded. You can't walk. Your walk can't go forward. You're not walking with the Lord, if you will, when you're stuck in that mud. So what's the proper thing to do? It's not to light a candle or put up a flower. What does David do? He cries out, Lord, I can't do it. Now, isn't that a place we all need to get to at some point? We all get to that point in our lives. Uh, hopefully, you've gotten to that point where you cried out and said, Lord, I can't do it. I don't know where my eternity lasts without you. I don't have an opportunity 
to live with you in eternity. We talked a little bit about the separation this morning at the first meeting. And, and, and hopefully we all come to that realization. We cry out and say, Lord, I can't do it on my own. And that's where David is. I can't get out of the pit on my own. I can't go. I don't know. I, 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 I give up. I only think you can do it. It says... The Lord waited, though. It says he climbed to him. He had to wait patiently for the Lord. Why do you think he waited? Have you considered that? I waited patiently for the Lord. Does the Lord not hear? Is the Lord deaf? Does he not care? I think he waited for, I think he waited for David. He waited for David to come to this realization that he couldn't do it on his own. He waits for us to come to that realization that we can't do it on our own, whether it's our salvation or things of life. Listen to this verse or these verses out of Psalm 13. The first two verses say, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will you take counsel? in my soul, having sorrow in my heart. How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Does that sound like a patient, David? <laughs> I don't think so. David's not patient in those words. He's saying, you know, I can't take it. And really, if you boil it all down, what's he saying? God, what's wrong with you? Don't you know that I am stuck? Don't you know that my enemies are prevailing over me? Don't you know I've been waiting this long? What's wrong with you? I think the Lord really wants us to get to the point where we finally say, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Where am I at? I can't get out of this pit on my own. And I believe the Lord can get me out of this. So there's this patience that is developed. Um, have anybody ever paid for patience? That's a big mistake. Because <laughs> the Lord may give you an opportunity to learn patience, right? And likely he will. And there we are, a man stuck in a pit is learning patience. Now, it's not forced patience. It's not at the, at the, at the, uh, at the end of a whip. You will be patient. But it's, it's, it's a patience that is of no other opportunity. That's it. I don't have another choice. I don't have another choice. I cannot work my way to heaven. I cannot get out of the situation I'm in. I am limited. I am a human. Dare I say, I am not God. That's the realization that we all need to come to regularly and often. So for the sake of time, I'm not going to go back to the different uh, verses of Psalm 40 as you go forward. But it's my assertion that the first three verses are a summary and the other verses will complement it. So you can look forward. You can look at that rest of it in this light now and see how this passage is complementing the first three verses. The first three verses. So. But before we move on to the rest of the verses that I chose here, um, 
Why is that important? Why is David, David telling us about having, having been in the pit? Well, it's because there's the rest of the story, right? It says that he, he took him out of the pit, out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and lifted him and set my feet on a rock. Now, now why is he talking about that? Why is he set his feet on a rock? Why is that important? Well, remember, he was in a bad spot. He could not stand up could not crawl out, was not able to get out of the pit, but now he's on a rock, high up, okay? And what's the difference between a pit and a rock? A pit and a rock, okay? Can you be seen in the pit? You can look right over the pit. You can't be seen. Somebody else could walk right in on top of you even. But if you're on a rock, you can be seen, okay? It's a solid ground. It's not slippery. Solid ground. And now, if we're looking at a figurative sense, you can be seen. The Lord has put you, taken you out of the pit where you can be seen to a spot where you can be seen. And it says, and established my steps. Well, well what does that mean? It's this solid ground to walk on. You're not slipping and sliding or stuck you got solid ground to walk on, dusted off or wiped off in a sense, and your steps are established. When your feet were stuck in the clay, how was your walk? It was, you were stuck. You weren't walking forward. But when your feet are established on the solid rock, you, steps can be seen. You can be observed. So now the Lord has said, you're in a spot where you can't be seen, your heart is now where it should be seen, on the rock, steps forward. You can be seen and now observed. And what's the purpose of that? Well, because when you're in this desperate position and you know you have nothing to give to this solution, and someone provides a solution, in this case the Lord, what do we do? It's a proper response to be grateful, right? And that's the idea here when he says, he's put a new song in my mouth. What comes out of our mouth is generally what's in our heart, okay? Uh, to quote a good friend of mine, I don't know where he got the idea, but what's in the well comes up in the bucket, right? What's gratitude in your heart comes out as a new song to the Lord. Praise be to our God is what he's saying. So now, You've realized David was in the pit. The Lord pulled him out, put him on a rock. He can be seen. He can be observed. And now he sings out. He's useful to the Lord. He's not, his feet aren't stuck there anymore. He's useful as he walks forward. So says then that many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. There, that's the purpose, isn't it? that the Lord would then be glorified, that people would tell of the Lord, that we would sing his praises, that what's in our hearts because of where we were and now where we are, we would sing forward and that would cause others to see, fear him, and praise him. That brings glory to God. And just so you didn't think this was an Old Testament only um, uh, subject, you might want to turn to Ephesians chapter two. And you'll hear echoes of, I believe, Psalm 40 there. This is a great um, 
a great uh, chapter, but I'm going to read only a few verses, starting in verse 4. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself it is the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. For we, his workman, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Does that hear, sound like an echo from what we've been talking about from Psalm 40? Where we were was dead. Where we are is alive. We were in the pit, now we're on the rock. What a difference that is. It's the recognition and the cry out from me and a response and a change in the work by God. <clears throat> I was in a pit, now I'm on a rock. I once was dead, now I'm alive. So, let me ask you this. Where are you? More importantly, and... To the point, where am I? Right? Do you feel like you're in a pit? Are, are you stuck in that pit? You don't know if you have a, have, have a Savior? I'm sure there's people that would be here that are here willing to talk to you about that. Do you feel oppressed? As in, somebody else put me in that pit? Maybe you're struggling with a relationship, right? Maybe I'm struggling with a relationship. Maybe it's difficult being an empty nester. I'm going to tell you that right now. This has not been an easy year for us. Okay? Are you, are you struggling with um, something that's self-inflicted? Is there some sin in your life that has put you into a pit, that has ruined your walk, that's got your, your, your feet stuck in the miry clay, so that your boots are falling off, you're slipping down the sides of the wall, you can't get out. Anybody having those difficulties? Probably nobody here. But I've heard of other folks that, that might be having some of those troubles. I know, I know I struggle with those things. Or do you feel like you're on a rock? Are you high and lifted up? Is the Lord, is the Lord taking you from the pit recently and put you on the rock? Has He established your steps? Is, is he in the point where he has given you a great view? When, you sit up on, when you're up high on a rock, like on the top of a mountain, it's a great view, isn't it? I can see far. And, and we, we tend to do what, what's natural, right? Wow, look at that. I did a great job crawling up on top of this mountain, didn't I? That's not what it says here. What it says here is he was stuck in a pit and the Lord lifted him up and put him on the rock, right? It wasn't anything to do with what he did. It wasn't anything to do with what I did. If the, if the Lord's got you in that position, it's not to enjoy the view. It's to give him credit. It's, to, it's for his purposes that you're there. Are you singing? 
Are you singing out? Because it's, it's interesting to me that no matter whether you're in the pit or whether you're on the rock, we should be talking, right? In some ways, we should be crying out to the Lord, Lord, change my heart. Lord, take me out of this pit. Lord, I can't do it on my own. We cry out. But when, when we're on the rock and he's taken us from that pit and he's given us a change, <clears throat> then it's time to sing out. We either cry out or we sing out, but either way, we shouldn't be holding it inside. It's easy for me to hold things inside. I can do it on my own. I can make this work. One more time, tomorrow's a better day. I think I can make it. Just keep going. But don't tell anybody about it. Or it's really easy to, to, to have a change and see a change and then say, well, phew, why am I glad that's passed? I'm not going to go there again. And there we find ourselves back into it because we don't realize that it's the Lord that's brought us to this point and that we can sing out and say praise to our God and others can see it around there. That's a difficult thing for me to do as well. So I thought I'd give you, before I left here, some steps I'm calling a pit strategy. Now, this is not NASCAR. I know it's Sunday, but we're not talking about NASCAR or pit strategy, okay? But the pit strategy, when you find yourself in a pit, I think these are the things that you should do. Number one, based on what um, David's been teaching us here. <clears throat> number one, recognize where you're at. You're in a pit. You're no useful, not useful to anybody else. You're not useful to the Lord. You're stuck at the bottom. You can't get out. We need to recognize that's where we're at. It's the first step to making sure that we know what's next. Number two, don't plan to stay. Don't make home out of that pit. Don't say, well, I'm stuck with this lot. Well, you know, I, I guess I better just, you know, brush it up and, and get comfortable here in my difficulty, in my struggling relationship, in my sin. Don't get comfortable there. Know that the Lord doesn't want you there. Number three, we said it a couple times. Cry out. Ask the Lord for help. He wants to know what our heart, what's on our hearts. He needs to know what's on our hearts. He needs us to know that he knows what's on our hearts. We have to be able to admit what's on our hearts. We must cry out. Number four. This is the hardest one for me. Wait patiently. Can you wait patiently? Are you waiting patiently? I find myself more like David in Psalm 13. Hey, what about me? What's wrong with you? Instead of waiting patiently. How many, how many times have you been in a pit and you're thinking, why would the Lord lead me here? Is he not listening? I don't know. But I think he does. And that's what we need to understand. He says, most of us have been in a pit before, and he got us out. If, if we've been saved, we were in a pit, we're out. 
We were dead. Now we're alive. So we can look back and say, hey, I've been here before. Just maybe this can happen again. Number five, have great expectations. Not only is he going to drag you out of the pit, he's, he's going he's to take you from the pit and set you on a rock, establish your steps, and make you seen so that you can be observed. Have great expectations of the Lord. Lord, I don't know what's going on here. I know I can't do it, but boy, I, I, I have confidence in you. I believe you do and you can. Number six, give credit where credit is due. Give credit to the Lord. There was nothing I could do. I was saved by grace, period. But for his mercy, I would be dead. And there we are. There are many things that uh, I could point to as what I call miracles in my life. And, and um, many, of them, um, many of them are associated with my kids. It's easier for me to see them than those that, uh, that I have. Maybe I'm too proud. But I couldn't do anything. Many people have come along and done things on, on uh, the, the Lord prompted to do things that have taken me to places I could have never been. So, but once we give credit, then what do we have to do? Don't hold it in. Sing out. That's number seven. Sing out. Let everybody know. Let somebody know. That's what, that's what they were doing with this Psalm 40, I believe. They were saying it. I think they sang this, and there was different refrains, and, 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 and they said, David wrote it so that we, they would remember this in this way. Number eight, realize that he has a purpose. He has a purpose. So when we're in a pit, it's easy to say, I shouldn't be here, and this is ba all bad. But when we get out, we can say the pit had a purpose because I learned something about not going into that pit again. Or I learned something about um, you know, what the Lord is capable of. I've learned that he is special and many other things, but he has a purpose. So whether we're in the pit and he's preparing us or whether we're on the rock and he has expectations of us, the Lord has a purpose. So I guess the question I have for you today, are you like me? And that is, were you once blind, but now you see like the blind man in uh, John chapter 9? Ephesians chapter 2, were you once dead, now you're alive? Or maybe like David here in Psalm 40, were you once in a pit, but now you're on a rock? Either way, anyway, we have a testimony. And it shouldn't be just, oh, way back when, when I was young. We have a testimony daily of what the Lord is doing in our lives. I'm in a pit, Lord. I need your help. I am on the rock. People, look to my God. Either way, we can cry out, we can sing out, and we can have a testimony as we walk forward. So let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we're grateful that you've, uh, again, taught, taught us from your word. Lord, uh, 
I know I've learned, and, and Lord, I know you're still working through, through this with me. So Lord, we pray that, uh, that we all might have a testimony going forward, that we might testify who you are, what you've done, and all, uh, all that we've benefited from through no work of our own. We pray these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Thank you.